Welcome to the Weird History Podcast. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent, listener-supported show. To support it, go to weirdhistorypodcast.com. Imagine for a moment that it's 1908. You are a Russian infantryman. You are marching against Russia's enemy, the Kingdom of Sweden, in what would become known as the Finnish War. You have a pike in your hand, and you've never been in a battle before. You don't know what to expect. You're nervous. You talk to some of the veterans in your unit. Ask them about their experience. They tell you what you need to know, how to follow orders, what you need to do to survive. You feel a bit more confident after that. You march and you march. You still have not yet seen the enemy. One day you're walking over ground muddy with melted snow. And you hear it before you see it. An ambush. You hear the thudding of the mounts on the ground. It appears that a cavalry unit has a drop on you. You look around. You're not quite sure what direction the ambush is coming from. Eventually, you know that it's coming from behind a nearby hill. The thudding intensifies. You hear it. You hear the clank of the human armor on the animal's barding. You hear the sounds of the mounts, loud and inhuman. Your commanding officer tells you to ready for an assault. You remember your training. You remember what the veterans have told you about how battles play out. The first thing you see are the tips of the lances as they crest a hill, and the tops of helmets, and intermingled with the helmets and the lances are thousands of antlers. Not deer antlers, something bigger. Antlers that could not only impale a man, but scoop him up like a shovel, throw him about, drop him on the ground, and then, from there, he would be trampled under by the mount's gigantic feet. They are immense antlers, attached to heads, as big as a human torso. These creatures, each of them, they are decked out in barding. It would be hard enough to take one down, even if they were unclad. A single bullet, or stab with a spear... That might just annoy the gigantic creature. But it is armored as well. You realize, on your own, you probably have no hope. Even with the cooperation of your unit, even the veterans, you have no hope. You're just infantry, right now, bearing down upon you. One of the last things that you see in your life is the might of the Swedish Moose Cavalry which unfortunately never actually existed. What I just talked to you about is, you know, fictitious. Not the 1908 war between Russia and Sweden, which was, confusingly, called the Finnish War. That really happened. But unfortunately, nobody has ever turned moose into tanks. And today on the Weird History Podcast, we're going to tackle one of the major issues of our time. Why has no one ever done this? Why has no one ever weaponized the mighty moose? It's not like moose can't carry humans. They can. They are comparable to other animals that we use for transportation. A male moose can easily get into the neighborhood of 1,000 pounds, and even up to 1,500 pounds, which puts them in the same weight class of horses and camels. And it is possible to ride a moose. You can domesticate moose. In fact, there is a moose farm out there in the world that exists today. We'll get to that. But 
When it comes to turning them into barding-clad beasts of death, that is another matter. But it is not for lack of trying. There have been a few attempts to turn moose into animal tanks, and they were, for better or worse, not successful. The first that we know of was in the 1700s in Sweden, under King Karl XI. A Sweden tried to make moose cavalry, and, had they done so, they would have had an animal that was adapted to their local climate, that could have been amphibious, because moose can swim, and they would have been very fast. They could reach speeds over 30 miles per hour. That would have been quite the thing for Russia to contend with in their 1908 war with Sweden. Again, confusingly called the Finnish War. And ideas, or at least rumors, about moose cavalry in Sweden go back possibly even farther than that. There is a legend, maybe apocryphal, that Ivan the Terrible was really spooked by the idea of non-Russians turning moose into cavalry, that he banned moose husbandry because it was potentially threatening to his conquest. Probably never happened, but I like the idea of Ivan the Terrible sitting on his throne and being really, really worried that his weak point was guys riding moose. But Sweden was not the only country to try to tame moose. Neighboring Russia tried to do the same thing. Twice. In the 1860s, there was a Russian zoologist named Alexander von Middendorf who tried to domesticate moose and potentially turn them into war mounts. His ideas didn't have a lot of sticking power, though, so he was mostly ignored until the 1930s, when the Soviet Union decided to dust off this old idea from the Tsarist era and see if they could turn moose into heroes of the proletariat. And part of me thinks that if any country is going to do something as dangerous and impractical and weird as this, it would be Soviet Russia, because I imagine them throwing all kinds of things like ethics and practicality out the window until something worked. But this idea to make moose into cavalry was short-circuited by the 1939 Soviet Union war with Finland, and by then they found that the whole notion of cavalry was basically obsolete. By then, instead of having animal tanks and animal cars, we had tanks, cars, and other armored vehicles. So, obviously there was demand for moose cavalry, but why did this never take off? The moose seems like a pretty ideal candidate for domestication and even weaponization. How come this didn't become more prevalent? And it mostly comes down to moose mood. Moose are cantankerous, aggressive, and territorial creatures. They're also smart. Now, you would think this would be great for a potential war beast, but the problem is you don't want them to be aggressive. You want them to be obedient. You want them to attack when you tell them to attack. You want them to hold when you tell them to hold. You want control. Instead, moose, if they feel threatened, if they feel confined, they're likely to lash out at whatever happens to be in their immediate vicinity, which could be you, or the moose next to them, or whatever else is invading their personal bubble of moose space. So having a cavalry unit where your mounts are constantly going aggro on your own guys is not you know, good. Moose also need more space than other domesticated animals like horses and cows. A herd of cows, well, you can bunch them together pretty tightly. Same thing with a herd of horses. A herd of moose, though, they are social. They do want to hang out together, but they need more space. They need more area between each individual moose. It's kind of the difference between, say, 
a whole bunch of people who are totally okay with snuggling together on the couch, and a whole bunch of other people who say, okay, three people fit on the couch, and the rest of us, we can find chairs or floor space elsewhere for movie night. Moose are the people who, you know, don't want to bump elbows with their friends. They're also smart. They have a tendency to detect potential danger, and, like any sensible animal, run away from it. This was a problem for the Swedes when they were trying to turn moose into cavalry. You could get on a moose, you could ride a moose, you could be friends with a moose. That does happen. But making a moose go straight at something that's obviously dangerous, like, say, a bunch of guys with guns or pikes or whatever other weapon they might be using, you're not going to get a moose to do that. Now, this smartness, this aggression, this assertiveness, it is possible that it could have been bred out of a moose. While we're in Russia, there was a famous Russian experiment with foxes carried out in the late 1950s by a Soviet scientist named Dmitry Belyaev. Now, you might recall from episode 87 that during the Stalinist era, uh, Russia really suppressed real, actual work on genetics and evolution. It was frowned upon in favor of a Soviet-approved idea about nature called Lysenkoism. Again, that's in episode 87. During that time, though, there were some rebel scientists doing, well, science, albeit covertly, and one of them was Dmitry Belyaev. He still believed in classical genetics and evolution, even as the government said, no, it doesn't exist. And he worked away from the eyes of the state, setting up a lab in Siberia, disguising it as a facility looking to breed foxes for fur. So far away from the eyes of Stalin's police, he conducted one of the most important breeding experiments ever done. An experiment where he wasn't breeding animals for physical characteristics, but breeding them for tameness and temperament. Belyaev used the silver fox, an animal that at the time was not yet domesticated, and he separated out his foxes into groups, selecting for tameness and docility. He was looking for foxes that maybe didn't recoil or bite when the researchers tried to touch them. He allowed those foxes to breed, and he did that again, and he did that again. And, eventually, Belyaev ended up with foxes that were totally okay with human contact. They let humans touch them, pet them, and even submitted to what the humans told them to do. Also, weirdly, the foxes got cuter, as in, they retained a lot more juvenile characteristics, like floppy ears and big eyes. They looked more doggy-like. And today, the Russian domesticated fox, a result of Belyaev's experiments, it kind of looks vaguely like what would happen if a dog and a fox had a long, uninhibited weekend together in Vegas. But it's not the result of crossbreeding. It is because a Russian scientist decided to manipulate their destiny by breeding for tameness. So, this was all the result of a structured, rigorous experiment with much smaller mammals, but I'm left wondering, given enough time and resources, could somebody in Russia or Sweden or Finland have done that with moose? Could we have made the moose equivalent of the Russian domesticated fox? I honestly have no idea. But it's a possibility that moose could have had their moosey bullheadedness bred out of them but it just never happened, probably because it just wasn't practical. But there are some domesticated moose out there. Even though moose domestication did not end up turning these guys into nature's own tanks, it did yield some results. 
in various northern European countries, like Sweden, they can be trained to pull sleds and sleighs, so you can have a moose who is pulling you along as you are going through a winter wonderland. That is totally possible. And moose milk is a thing. I mean, obviously it's a thing. They are mammals. They produce milk. But moose milk is now a thing that humans can actually buy and consume. Kostroma Farm in Russia has been raising moose mainly for their milk since 1963. And mostly just for their milk. Remember that moosey intelligence and moosey cantankerousness I mentioned earlier? That makes slaughtering moose somewhat difficult. Apparently cows, apparently cows can be bred to be docile enough to just be led to the slaughter and not give anyone any trouble, but not moose. So moose milk, yes. Moose meat, no. But Kostrama Farm, on their website, they have a little blurb addressing historical attempts at moose cavalry, and they say, quote, The Swedish army had moose troops, but only until real battles. Moose turned out to be wiser than their knights. They left battlefield to hide in the nearest forest if a real danger occurred, unquote. I'll remind you that whoever wrote that, English is probably not their first language. And I like how they put that. I like that they said that the moose were wiser than their knights. So I have been sort of wistfully fantasizing about how frickin' awesome it would be to have moose cavalry, but I'm also a history dork who's never actually been in a real battle. And I love reading about and learning about things like battles and military hardware and weaponry and all that. You know, that all has a sort of, you know, nerdy appeal, but... I'd be the first guy to turn tail in a real sign of danger. I do not have the experience or the temperament to actually stand there and take down a bunch of guys or horses or moose or anything else. I would probably think that the would-be Swedish moose mounts had the right idea and say, screw being in a battle, I'm going to hang out in the woods. So maybe it's good that we never had a chance to breed that instinct out of them. Maybe moose being moose, out there in the frozen Nordic wilds, cavorting in the moose woods, maybe that is enough. This podcast is ad-free, totally, completely ad-less, because of you. Go to weirdhistorypodcast.com and sign up for a monthly donation. That would be amazing of you. Also, go on iTunes, give us ratings, reviews, all that. I'm on social media, facebook.com slash weirdhistorypodcast.com. I'm on Twitter, at Joe Streckert. Thank you very much for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye. Mm-hmm.